Hey legends, welcome along the Hellmouth Hotline. I am your host, Rodney Stewart, and we're getting into Poltergeist. Another series of movies we're going to be doing these. Uh, I've actually watched all three of them over the past couple of days here, but we're going to be doing them every Friday from here on on. So it's good to get away from the Halloween movies. And uh, yes, 1982 Poltergeist, a uh, horror classic. And one that I can't recall up until this watch if I've ever seen it in full. But it's one of these movies, again, that as a child I had memories of freaking out, having seen it on TV randomly when I'm channel hopping late at night as a, gosh, whenever I seen this I must have been somewhere in the region. I was born in 79, so it had to be somewhere around, this came out in 82, so I'm pretty sure probably 85, 86, so, you know, I wasn't old at that time, seven years old or something like that. But, uh, yeah, when you're supposed to be sleeping at night and you sneak the TV on, you get the sound down nice and low and your channel hopping when you should be asleep as a child and you're going through late at night. And, of course, I came across Poltergeist and it was the scene in the movie where the guy goes into the kitchen and he's eating a bit of meat and he sees the, the, the steak crawling across the counter <laughs> and uh, then he he drops whatever he's eating and he, he sees it. There's maggots and stuff coming out of it and he runs into the, the bathroom and, and then it starts to, and this is all in his head, it's like a vision, but I didn't know that as a child. Uh, like the poltergeist is screwing with his mind and he starts scraping at his face and of course the skin starts to peel off and eventually he gets right down to the skull. Uh I didn't make it as far as the end of that scene, turned the TV off, rolled up underneath the covers, freaked out, and for years it stayed with me. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit, I have to say, and probably out of the three of them, this is it's a toss-up really between Poltergeist and Poltergeist 2. There's a lot of good stuff in both movies, but I think this just outdoes Poltergeist 2 slightly. Um, the third one wasn't a huge huge fan of but again it's one of these things you get into the series of movies you need to watch it so uh plot wise you have a family Stephen Diane Freeling they've got three kids um they he's a a real estate agent in uh Quest of Verde California he's in he lives in this uh, place and he's selling houses within it as well and uh, yes that plays on it in a big big way in the movie as it progresses um, he's got three kids 16 year old Dana 8 year old Robbie and 5 year old Carol Ann uh, of course we all know from the We've all seen the movie at this point, probably. Anybody that's listening to this podcast have probably watched it thousands of times. But of course, the post-broadcast static on the TV screen, which is probably something completely alien to people these days. Uh, you know, everything's streaming now. And I can't remember the last time I seen the static on a TV screen. But 
they play that in a great way in this movie to freak people out and uh, she starts to hear voices and she's talking through this TV now I do you have to say if you haven't seen Poltergeist before and you fancy sitting down to watch it and you happen to come across this podcast before you do it if you are photosensitive in any way uh, watch this movie in a well lit room when they have the the static on the TV the, the snow let's just call it they have like a strobe lighting effect going on on the screen as well so there's a few are uh, again photosensitive or you suffer from epilepsy this movie could set you off now the reason I want to point that out is because I'm actually suspected epileptic I had two seizures whenever I was high school age just the end of high school say 16 15 16 years old or something like that um only ever had two in my life but it kind of labels you you know and since that i have always been very wary of the things that would affect me in that manner and the strobe effect is definitely one of them so if you do have a that kind of problem if you are epileptic or you're photosensitive in some way definitely watch it with uh, the lights on well lit room um yeah so yes over a couple of nights she gets up during the night and she's talking to somebody within the tv uh the second night there's an earthquake uh just after a hand emerges from the screen and then there's like a force escapes from the the tv and under the wall in the room behind her and she has that line declares they're here so the following day they the house is filled with crazy events a glass of milk breaks silverware bends furniture moves on its own one thing i do have to say before we go any further in this is the family dynamic in this movie is flipping fantastic that's really just the way that they interact with each other, they do feel like an actual family. Like there's a lot going on in the morning when they're having their breakfast. The kids are bickering. The husband and wife are getting ready for work. And it just it feels like a real, real family. Very, very well put together, moving, well acted. But again, I start to notice all these things about, you know, like the knives and forks start to bend on their own. Uh, furniture's moving uh they start to freak out a little bit but uh the wife diane actually at one point early in the movie is having fun with it uh she's got these markings in the kitchen floor and whenever steve comes home that evening she sets a seat down like one of the the dining room chairs in one part of the room has a circle she sets it there and that slides to the far end of the room where she's got an R circle. And then she actually sets Carol Ann down and she slides across the floor. So she's having a bit of fun at the start, but it soon starts to become, you know, more than a bit of fun for a... During a severe thunderstorm, there's this tree in the, the yard and I do kind of have vivid memories of that sequence when uh, it 
crashes through the children's bedroom window, grabs the kid Robbie, pulls him out under the pouring rain and attempts to eat him. Very, very well done, I have to say. The visual effects in this movie are fantastic and the, the practical effects, the practical elements are absolutely amazing. There's some of the special effects they've done there as far as like force and whatnot, like forces coming out of the TV and under the wall look a little bit dated now, but never comes to the practical effect. Looks fantastic. But as they're out trying to save Robbie, um, they rush back and Carol Ann has pulled into a portal in her closet in the bedroom. Um, that is a very, very well done sequence in the movie as well. Like as I say, a lot of practical effects here. Um, yeah, so she disappears through this portal uh, and they hear, eventually start to hear a voice coming from the television. So they end up getting this parapsychologist, Martha Leash. Uh, she arrives with team members, Ryan and Marty, to investigate and they determine there is poltergeist intrusion involving multiple ghosts. Uh, meanwhile, Steve learns from his boss that they... Quest of Verde, hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, the development was built on a former cemetery, but the graves were moved to a nearby location. Um, so he, his boss has come up with this idea of starting a new development up on a hill side. And, you know, you could live here and see down across the old development. Of course, uh, Steve hasn't too thrilled at this here because there's an actual graveyard where they're standing at and uh, he questions this and this is when his boss tells him well we've done this before the houses that we've already built where you live at are built on top of a burial ground but we moved the graves somewhere else uh, Dana and Robbie they're sent away for safety uh, Dr. Leach calls uh, Tangina and course if you think of uh poltergeist horror faces synonymous i don't even think that's properly said that word if you think of poltergeist horror faces going to jump out straight away along with uh craig t nelson as steve fantastic but uh she turns up uh, she determines the spirits are lingering in a different sphere of consciousness and are not at rest. They're attracted to Carol Ann's life force. So she also detects a dark presence that she calls the beast who is restraining Carol Ann and manipulating her life force in order to prevent the other spirits from crossing over. Uh, the entrance to the other dimension is in the, the closet where Carol Ann was sucked into earlier in the movie and they work out that it exits through the living room ceiling. Uh, so, you know, they're doing their best to uh, work out how things is... The way they work out where this portal exits, that's actually pretty ingenious. Where they mark these tennis balls and they chuck them into the closet and then they're waiting in our parts of the, the house to see where they come out at. So they eventually work out how where this portal re-emerges in our world, let's just say. So um, they end up putting a rope through the closet 
that's coming down through the ceiling and the sitting room through the two portals. And Diane ends up going in to get Carol Ann and you know, they eventually drop through the, the ceiling and the living room covered in ectoplasm. Um, there's a nice little moment where Steve, he's holding the rope in the bedroom to support her and he freaks out at one point. He tries to pull her back and they, this giant beastly ghostly skull comes out of the door growling at him uh, very good effect in the movie so once they get uh, Carol Ann out along with Diane Tangina proclaims that the house is clean uh, but shortly after the, the Freeland family have nearly finished packing to move out of the house they have just after everything has happened we're gone. We're getting out of here, Steve. He's going to. He's quitting his job and everything. He's going to tell his boss to, you know, shove it. We're getting out of here. But before they get the leave, uh, Steve has to go to the office while Dana is on a date. The, the eldest daughter leaving Dan at home with Robbie and Carol. Carol and the beast then comes back, ambushes Diane and the children aiming for a second kidnapping attempt the unseen force drives Diane into the backyard in the rain where she stumbles into the flooded swimming pool that they're trying to build um, uh, as she's down on that these corpses start to float to the top coffins come up all around her uh, Diane crawls out, rushes back into the house and she rescues the children and they escape to the outside as more coffins and bodies start erupting from the ground all over the place. Now these visual effects of coffins and corpses coming up out of the ground are absolutely breathtaking. The, the practical effects, again, it's just so well done. The money and the budget they had for this movie was so well used. Fantastic. Um... Yeah, so eventually Steve gets back accompanied by his boss. Uh, mayhem is happening. And he realises that only the gravestones were relocated whenever they built this housing development. He grabs his boss by the throat. You left the corpses, you moved the headstones, but you left the fucking graves, you know. Excuse my French. Uh, yeah, so... He manages to get the family out. They jump into their car. Dana arrives. They get her into the back seat. They flee Quest of Verde as the house implodes under the portal. Like, you know, this beast, whatever it is, not happy that he didn't get hold of Carol Ann again. Just takes the whole house at the end of the movie. Uh, this is leaving everybody in the neighbourhood standing watching Steve's boss and the neighbours they're stunned as they look on uh, at the end of the film they, we see the family checking into a room at a hotel uh, they close the door and you expect the film to fade the black at this point but the door opens again and Steve chucks the TV outside the hotel room and goes back in again after the way everything started with Carol Ann talking to the TV he's done with TVs and that's the end of it end of movie fan bloody tastic I had no idea like this is directed by Toby Hopper 
But I had no idea that Steven Spielberg had a hand in this. It's a story by Spielberg. Uh, the screenplay by him, Michael Grace, and Mark Victor. Um, the reason Spielberg wasn't directing you know, his story and he was screenplay uh, on there as a producer as well. He was contractually unable to direct another film when he made A.T. So Hopper was selected based on his work on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Funhouse. Speedberg conceived Poltergeist as a horror sequel to his 77 film Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I didn't know that. Uh, titled Night Skies. However, Hopper was less interested in the science fiction elements and suggested that they collaborate on a ghost story. So that's interesting. That's new info for me. Uh, accounts differ as to the level of Spielberg's involvement, but it's clear that he was frequently on set during filming and exerted significant creative control. For that reason, some have expressed the view that Spielberg should be considered the film's co-director or even main director, though both Spielberg and Hopper have disputed this. Uh, unreal. I had a great time with this movie. And I've actually been reading up on some of the rumours that were that popped up around this movie. And there's some sun dark stuff as far as the, uh, the poltergeist curse, I believe it's called. Um... I don't know, see, like, budget was $10.7 million for this, and the box office had got $121.7 million. So huge, huge success. But, uh, yeah, first thing I noticed in the second movie is there's no sign of the eldest daughter in part two. And there's a reason for that. Uh, she actually died in real life. Poltergeist, let me see. G E I S T. Right, let me see now. There's a few deaths. Four cast members died during and soon after the filming of the, the three movies, including Caroline herself. Uh, she died from uh, symptoms. That were she fell ill, or symptoms were caused by it. Casually attributed to the flu, a day later she collapsed and suffered a cardiac arrest after being airlifted to Children's Hospital in San Diego. She died during an operation to correct a bowel obstruction. Uh, it was later believed that she had been suffering from a congenital intestinal abnormality. Um, yeah, she was only what. Uh, what age was she? It doesn't say the age she was when she died. Like she wasn't any more than maybe 12 or 13 years old when that happened. Uh, Dominic, Dominique June, who played the original older sister, Diana, Diana Freeling, met a tragic fate. Uh, I'm just reading off a site here. I've just looked this up on. In 82, uh, she separated from her partner. In November of that year, he showed up at her house 
pleading for her to take him back. When she refused, he grabbed her by the neck, choked her until she was unconscious and left her to die in her Hollywood home's driveway. Tragedy. Um, Julianne Beck and Will Sampson, uh, the two other cast member deaths, were, while unfortunate, were not unpredictable or mysterious. Uh, the evil preacher Kane from Poltergeist 2 was played by Julian Beck in 83. Beck had been diagnosed with stomach cancer, which took his life soon after he finished working the second installment of the series. Um, yeah. Uh, Will Sampson, who played Taylor, the Native American shaman, died after undergoing heart, heart-lung transplant, which had a very slim survival rate. So... Yeah, there's a lot of stories about, you know, and this is something that has popped up with horror movies right out through the 80s and 90s and whatnot. Like, I've heard it so many times over the years about curses falling films and whatnot. I believe Exorcist was another one. And I remember people freaking out locally, even in the 80s. There was uh, something that happened... And it was one of our ministers at our church whenever I was a child. It was actually, I think his kid had, I can't remember which, whether it was his son or one of our friend group. It was somebody in our small circle, like where I grew up at, very, very small town, village, if you will. So not a huge, huge amount of population in it, but... Uh, he went down the the rabbit hole of giving off about the VHS having a demon in it and whatnot. And he heard that all over the place. It was all over TV and whatnot and everything. Like uh, The Exorcist in particular, people were saying there was the VHS had demons in the cassettes and whatnot. And if you had owned a copy of this or you could hold of a copy of it, you were opening yourself up to the darkness and whatnot. But uh, I'm just, you know, as I say, that rolled up, followed The Exorcist for years, and of course we've got the, what happened with the the four cast members from Poltergeist, you've got the curse and that there, and I'm pretty sure there's a ton of other movies in the horror realm that has these same stories and rumours following them about. But uh, for me now, these days... Just whenever I'm talking about that there, I'm just thinking to myself, right, well, where does that, where do you draw the line at these days in the world of streaming and whatnot? So, you know, if they're saying that VHS copies of Exorcist and Poltergeist and stuff like that there, all these horror movies had demons within the VHS cassette tip, would that not technically mean now if you own a smartphone, is that now a demon box? If you just, you take that same mentality of anything, any VHS that had a horror movie on it, you can stream absolutely anything and any smartphone right now. Your laptop, your TV, you name it, anything connected to the internet now, you've got full access to every movie under the sun at a touch of a button. So does that mean that everybody has a smartphone now, has a, a demon hiding in their pocket? Food for thought. Uh, just want to put that out there just to freak a few people out. But that's going to do it for this episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please let me know 
and the email, uh, hellmouthhotline at gmail.com. Share the show along, rate and review, all that good social media stuff. And until the next episode, whatever you're doing, stay safe, and I'll talk to you all then. This has been a production of Coins Age Media. Thank you so much for listening.